been a lecturer before I retired. Okay. Um, yeah, look, it's a tall order because the violence is, it was sparked by the arrest of former President Zuma. Now, at the time of the arrest, there was some very serious incitement, including incitement to kill the police, which is the crime of sedition. Okay, so that started the ball rolling. But what took, and the government did not act in time for reasons one can only speculate about. Okay, now the violence is was orchestrated. There's no doubt about that. But the background to this whole thing is that you have a criminalized state. There's criminal activity right the way through. The state itself, it's become systemic. Because even in government departments, it's not, it's not limited to the elites anymore, as it was, for example, during apartheid. But it's become part and parcel of a job in the government that you expect perks, that you give businesses to friends. I mean, not for everybody, but people who don't want to do that keep quiet because you can be even killed if you if you actually expose corruption. There's very little protection for corruption. So it's endemic in the civil service, so-called civil service, and in the whole, the tiers of government that you you take kickbacks and you give businesses to your family or friends. But as I said, I want to make the important distinction that not all employees or government people do that, but they are too too scared to actually expose what they see going on around them. Right. Now, at the community level, this what happens is that you have three tiers of government, and there's hardly any constituency work. Now, the people that should be doing constituency work are the councillors, right? And very few of them do it. So nobody listens to people. They've been told they'll get services, houses. If they don't get it, so they protest. So protest culture has become a norm. It's the only way people listen to you. So out there, and, and once you get to shack areas who were very prominent in this, most of the people who live there are just ordinary people who want to roof over their houses, their, their heads, but in those shack areas, you get shack lords, and they use those poor people for income generation. And I'll give you one example near Durban, because that's where it happens. It probably happens elsewhere. It's Catercris, which I have virtually reconstructed what, how, how it all unfolded. Okay, now, in, in these shack areas, you basically have criminal mafias. Right, we can make money out of that particular piece of land. So there are the drives the person who's living in the shack off it, or they'll, they'll kill that person. Uh, that person's probably been waiting for a house for 20 years, but because he's not a buddy of a councillor, he or she doesn't get a house right. Okay, now, so you've got those established criminal networks as well. Now, all of this kind of fed into what happened 10 days ago. But who, I mean, the people who orchestrated this had it extremely well planned. It, it didn't happen the way it happened without planning, very fine planning. And, and I mean, again, I'll give you a very quick example of how it all unfolded at Cato Christ. Now, we know that the, the councillor is accused of very serious things like land invasions, driving people off their land, etc. But Tequini Council is run by pro-Zuma people, they got in on the Zuma ticket, as they did in Umsunduzi Peter Maritzburg, 
They got in on the Zuma ticket in the last local government elections. And the mayor of Durban, who's suspended, is a key Zuma supporter. Okay. Now, so you've got all those networks there. The councillor in Glebelands, who's allegedly linked to hitmen in the area, is a close relative of Zuma. Right. So you've got them all over the place. Right. Okay. So in Cato Chris, it starts like this. On the Sunday... You have serious incitement. You can hear this from quite a long way away. I've been talking to quite a few people. And the person who starts the incitement is the man who's just been arrested, who's on social media inciting for Zoom. Right. He starts it, then there's a woman inciting. Both times it goes quiet, stopped by the police. That evening, the burning starts. Local supermarket shooting. The shooting goes on all night. Next day... People are circulating video footage, photo footage of people walking up the hill from the looted malls in Glenwood, which, you know, in a car just a few minutes away from this place at Cato Crest. They're walking up with the looted goods. Now, someone organized that. On Monday evening, more huge pools of smoke you can see near Westville, going to Westville. Right, please say, uh, yeah, yeah, there's another shop burnt. And there's more shooting. Shooting carries on that night. There's a big, loud music, big feast, no doubt, with all the stolen goods. Now, you see, you, you draw poor people into this, but that you have already, people aren't, these people that do the looting aren't necessarily criminals by nature. They're hungry. And they go along because everybody's going there. What's happening? Oh, well, you help yourself. There's a certain mob mentality takes over. This is well documented. You only have to look at what happened in London 10 years ago. It, it happens in similar situations where you get this looting and the mob mentality takes over. Right. But so what you have behind the scenes, and I really don't know who's orchestrating it, but I know who's inciting And I don't know why some of them haven't been arrested, especially the children of the former president, who are very blatant in their incitement. Okay, now, the inciters may or may not be part of the orchestration. This is where I don't know, because it's a very clever, hidden hand doing this, capitalizing on protest culture. So at first, people think, well, this is just more truck-burning protest, etc., on the N3. And it takes a while, and it shouldn't have taken a while. The government should have been on the alert immediately, and it wasn't. So then what you do is you set it in motion. Someone goes in and starts obstruction of the wall, gets out the way before the looters are. Doesn't explain, of course, the fact that a lot of the looters are pretty wealthy people, judging from the cars they drive and the stuff they steal. So, And then the people also, like at the mall at Edendale while it's burning, there's somebody getting into an ATM and, and removing huge amounts of money. So it's, it's a kind of linkage between all these people, the orchestrators and satyrs, the people who set things in motion and then leave it to the mob to take over or Pro, yeah. go and loot the expensive stuff yeah. themselves. So that's it. Professor Professor Dahas, I just want to draw on um, the established networks. And and you talked about um, established criminal networks that may well have been used uh, in part of implementing what we saw unfold. We heard from the state security officials minister that um, they were investigating whether there are some of their former operatives and perhaps even current 
operatives that may have been involved in the violence, but more so emphasizing former operatives. They also spoke about former operatives of Umkontowe Sizwe that could well have been mm. part of this plan. When you look at the way in which it has been organized, I mean, do you find threads and themes that are perhaps uh, synonymous or that are uh, that 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 you that you could say are similar to what we saw even under apartheid? Look, I mean, one of the things, a number of things, but I just want to comment first on that whole Umkonto thing. Yeah, look, they they have been involved in criminal activities, especially in Sunduzi, just invading houses, and I think. You have to understand this this amorphous creature called the MK Veterans Association. It's a very mixed bag. You know, what happened in the early 90s was that despite uh, the release of Mandela negotiations, a whole lot of people who were basically criminals fled into exile while they supposedly their comrades in the towns died. They came back, some of those people, saying they were exiles, etc. They caused trouble. I could give you case studies in Kwamashu L fiction in 1995. They were, they, those thugs claiming to be MK, claiming to be whatever, were actually attacking the local ANC structures in L fiction Kwamashu in the mid-90s. So, so it's a very mixed bag of people who call themselves MK veterans. You know, and they definitely would have had a hand in this. And look, I mean, to get back to that question, though, they, the, there's definitely a degree of almost military planning in this. Um, you, you don't exercise something like this. And in terms of, yes, I mean, look, there are parallels. Obviously, the scenario is different now, but there are parallels. One of the things that has struck me is this kind of like a new divide and rule strategy. You will remember that the apartheid government stressed, for example, ethnicity, you know, and that's what fueled some of the violence in the early 90s. Well, you know, here in KwaZulu, we've got to attack the Pondos, and that was just a, that was just a cloak because it was political. That's the way they use this ethnicity. They try and appeal to people's emotions, and that's what Zuma's been doing. It's certainly not an ethnic thing that's happening, not at all. But Zuma is, a, is an arch manipulator. He's a cultural entrepreneur who likes to try and appeal to victims. He's a victim because he's Zulu, which is absolute nonsense. I mean, Ace Makashula is not a Zulu, and Carl Nihau certainly isn't a Zulu. So there's been that rhetoric. And then this, what is really worrying, though, to me is the way that it's like someone is trying to drive wedges into fairly cohesive African Indian communities, people mm -hmm. who've lived side by side. This is what apartheid did with great success. You know, it, it's when it was busy in the 1986, it kind of, and there was a united front across the races with the UDF. It stirred animosity in Ananda by setting its vigilantes off to drive Indians out of the um, out of the area where the Gandhi settlement is now, which became Bombay, and it was orchestrated by a party that was. But of course, it drove wedges. But those same that those same vigilante activities have been used by the same apartheid state on the communities in neighbouring Ananda, Kwamashu, but. So what I'm saying is, yes, I see the racial thing, the rhetoric, well, causes, vendors, Zulu, it's like apartheid again. But that, of course, 
is also a logical outcome of 10 years where the whole nation-building exercise fell away in the Zulu. It became, I wasn't the only one to notice, tribal rhetoric again. And that is what really worries me most, if somebody starts manipulating that. Mm. And racial. And racial. Mm. Because the other thing, it's polarized even white people. You will see that very conservative whites are running, say, roadblocks where they shouldn't be up the north coast in those really conservative areas around Pongola. Now, you only do that. You only run, you only do any, any, I mean, look, there, there are ways you can protect your property, but you do it with the police or you protect your businesses with the police. You have no right to get onto the roads and try and main roads we're talking about, not little cul-de-sacs in a residential area, but you can do with the police. And that's fine. But you must, with your security company, with your private individual, you must work with the police in this protection. All right. Uh, Prof, we've got a couple of calls. I'm quickly running out of time, so I'm going to go to the phone lines. Major, you're calling us from Bloom. I'm going to ask you to please keep it brief for me. Hello. Good morning, uh, Keith. How are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. Go for it. And uh, your guest, uh, uh, Prof uh, Dihat. Yeah, uh, issue of... uh, 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 what you call uh, mm, uh, culture uh, culture group? You see, uh, South Africa is uh, blessed with a uh, various uh, various cult- culture and uh, blacks and white and so etc. Indians. So mm-hmm. time has come now uh, to write, time has has right now for us to to go back to our culture of humanity. Yeah, issue yeah. of uh, yes. So issue of uh, 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 racism in, in the Phoenix uh, really is, uh, is unacceptable. Yeah, in 1994 we achieved a politically emancipation. We need to balance a political emancipation and economy emancipation. Yeah, if you look at a uh, 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 party system, it was uh, clearly the, clearly designed uh, to make uh, black people. Uh, uh, black people, uh, uh, workers, and consumers, not uh, produce uh, an entrepreneur. Yeah, in short, uh, uh, Kathy, uh, yeah, I like, uh, that, that's all I want to say. All right, Thank all, right. all right, Major, uh, thanks, yeah. thanks for that call. Brian in Cape Town. Brian, very brief for me, please. Yeah, uh, look, Kathy, yeah, I'll be very brief. The Daily Maverick ran an article on who they uh, thought were the instigators. Mm. I just want to say that if I was a strategist for any political party, I would do exactly what Isma Fashula has done. Request all the names of those people who have been charged or alleged to have corruption charges against them, and, um, and I would mobilize them. And I think this is where the Maverick missed the point there. I think Isma Khashoggi is, is strongly involved in this, without any doubt. That's my opinion. You know, in the 80s, we, we used to question, ask the question, who was the third force? When we, with all the, the killings of Boipatong, the Midlands of KwaZulu-Natal, and mm-hmm. the Vidduka, and uh, the answer came up later, you know, who was the third force, if not the first force? So uh, I, I feel strongly about that. Mm. Okay. okay. So, so okay. Brian, what are you saying? That in order to understand the third force, we must understand the first force? That's correct. That is what, what happened in the 80s in the Midlands of KwaZulu-Natal. 
boy baton. You know, it was a leisure, this black-on-black violence, mm. but it was orchestrated by the first force. And the first force, in this case, I think, is Ace Makashula, and he's, all those people charged with, who have mm. cases against them, they, they look when, when detectives investigate any case, they look for three things, motivation, the motive, sorry, the opportunity and the means. Those people have all three of those factors heavily stacked in against them. So Ace um, Shula wanted names of all the branches, members who were involved in corruption or were alleged to have been. And if I was the Gubbles, for example, that is what I would do. And I would motivate all of those people and incite violence that we've seen. Okay. All right. Okay, Brian. Brian's okay. take there uh, from Cape Town. Professor De Haas, we've got two minutes left. Uh, over to you. Oh, look, uh, yeah, I'm not Professor, I'm just Mary. Look, first of all, yes, we we must build our nation again. We've got to get back to nation building. All modern nations are culturally, religiously, almost all of them, heterogeneous. And and we must celebrate that. It is wonderful to live in a society like this. So we must start this common humanity. We're all humans. We must do away with these racial categories and sugar. But I think... I want, to re- I want to agree with Brian. I mean, this is what I've been saying. You've got a whole lot of people who are very disgruntled in very powerful positions in the ANC. Ace Makashula, uh, Zindeli Gomeri, and the whole crew. And You see, this is an economic issue behind it. These people, the, gov- the ANC government is slowly trying. It's done a few positive things with the Auditor General, with, with the appointment to civil service. It's, it's, it's starting making changes, a big improvement in policing, I've noticed. Okay, if the minister would stop interfering, which he shouldn't be doing. Okay, but the point is you've got all these people that the minute you clean up, and they are these disgruntled people, a lot of councillors, a lot of people in key ANC positions that are going to lose all the perks if they don't get re-elected. So it's certainly, I would agree with that, behind the scenes you've got all these people who have grievances. They have been removed for corruption and they're going to lose a lot, so they have a lot to fight for. And it's not just them, hey. They've got all these contexts with business forums, radical economic transformation. They should be out there arresting that ceaseless fool guy. He was guilty of the most blatant incitement, and he's on bail. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of troublemakers out there that the, that the, that the security uh, department should be looking at very right. closely and arresting them all charging them, making examples of them. All right. Mary de Haas, we're going to have to leave it there for this morning. She is a violence and research fellow at the University of KZN. That's where we're going to leave it for today on The Talking Point. Sakina Kamwendo, up next. Sakina, good afternoon.